Okay. Here we are again. Good morning. Good to see you. If you have your bulletins and you'd let us uh, share a few things with you. Always, you may get tired of it, but I never do. If you're a guest, your first or second time with us, please fill out the registration, rip it off, drop it in the offering plate when it comes around a little bit later, and then we'll come to your house for dinner. No, that, that's, what, that's what people think. We ain't going to do that. We're just going to send you a letter saying thank you for being here today. We won't show up on your doorstep. Inside, please read the details of the things that appeal to you. Um, of course, basketball starting uh, this Tuesday is the senior ministry called Joy. And I think they're headed to Gaylord Palms and have a bus reserved and all that. So, you know, you may want to read, make sure you're here on time so you, you don't get left. Um, and then, of course, Christmas 2023, Christmas Eve on that Sunday, we'll have two services in here regular. Then that evening, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. And uh, I think we're going to have enough chairs. Some don't, but I think we are So for the evening. Anyway, we are glad that you're here and would ask that you now stand, welcome somebody to church, and remain standing. I was 
you are so good, our Heavenly Father, that you love us despite of who we are. God, this morning, come from all different roads and different paths that we've taken during the week. Father, some are coming in here looking for hope. Some people are coming in here looking for a peace that passes all understanding. Some are looking for healing. Some are just lost and just don't know where to go. Father, remind them today that you are everything we need. You are a hope. You are a peace. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Father, help us find that today. As we come to our time where we collect our tithes and offerings, Lord, I pray you use it, you bless it, use it to further your kingdom, for your ministry, for the church, for those in our community that need to know you. We pray you bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. waiting whether they know it or not it's a story they'll hear from shepherds it's an impossibly true encounter with God discovered in a stable and nothing will ever be the same we'll hear a cry from a teenage mother giving birth we'll listen to the consoling words of a father who himself needs consolation And we'll experience the birth of a child, the birth of this child, and nothing will ever be the same. The extravagant lengths to which our God will go to be born into this night, into this darkness, and into this dirt, and all to prove to us, even as we're running away from Him, just how wildly He loves us and pursues us. Nothing will ever be the same because nothing can ever be the same. So may the familiarity of this event never lull us to sleep. May we awaken this year to the new life being offered by this Prince of Peace. May our eyes be opened wide to see the gospel wrapped in flesh, this news that truly is the best news we could ever hope to receive. For we are the ones who are waiting whether we know it or not. We are the ones whose hearts long to hear and hear again the story the shepherds are telling. We have become the recipients of the wild pursuit of God. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our joy. He is our love. And because of Jesus, because of this child and all that he'll become, nothing will ever be the same.
is right. You know, the part of the difficult thing is we've had her since she was like this and singing and man, and can you believe it? Guys, she's single. She's single, yeah. And her mother said, and she's staying that way. Man, yeah, that's awesome I have another special for you next week next Sunday you'll like it too yeah yep what do we do now oh I preach oh I preach okay if you have your Bibles we'll be at Romans chapter 15 this is the third and last message in a little series that I wanted to do called Staying Faith, Having a Faith That Makes It to the Finish Line. And what I've been trying to do is incorporate in that a little bit about the state of the church, um, throwing in some things about Gulf to Lake Church for those of you that are fairly new. I'm going to do the same thing today throughout the message. But today's message is, well, what is God calling me to do? What is God calling me to do? And that me doesn't mean Pastor Lloyd, but you, you know, and, and me individually. Um, if you're new, this has kind of been a different little series. If this is your first time the last three Sundays, next Sunday kind of get back a little bit to the my normal way of doing things. But um, And in fact, next Sunday, I'm going to start a new little series to get us to the end of the year and prepared for the beginning called enjoy the rest of your life don't we need to do that i mean there's a lot of bad stuff going on and i watch it too like you so that i can kind of stay up and man i have to keep reminding myself of that you know it's still good god jesus is coming you're still going to heaven and this is all going to be over one day 
So we have to keep reminding ourselves of how we can enjoy ourselves. And we'll probably be looking at the book of Philippians, which is the book on joy. All right. Having said that, Paul in Romans 15 is going to discuss his own personal call. And through the message today, I want to try to get some points across to us. So, you know, stay with me. If I, if I seem like I'm bouncing back and forth, I probably am. But um, I, I want us to see that the call of God on our life is a definite call. And it's, there, there's a way we can learn it. Um, if we say, well, I don't really know what I'm supposed to, to be, be, supposed to be doing, I think we can talk about that today. So what I want to start off is give you two factors that go in discerning the will of God on your life. And look, folks, if I didn't have anything else other than 1 Corinthians 12 tells me that God has a call for each of us, every one of us, according to 1 Corinthians 12. Now, here in Romans 15, we're going to read these all kind of up front. Paul discusses his calling. And there's something very, very important as we read this that I would say to you is left out. See if you can figure out what it is. But I'm going to tell you until about three quarters of the way through of what it is that he leaves out. But let's start with what he talks about here. Verse 15. But on some points I have written to you very boldly because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. In other words, I want to tell them the truth so that when they come to the Lord, it will be accepted by the Lord because they'll be following the truth. In Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in bringing the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Then it says, from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition his ambition, you know, he, that's a personal thing, to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. That's a quote from Isaiah 52. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I, this is statements that are, we're going to explain in a minute, but when I read them, they're just amazing. I no longer have any room for work in these regions. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Spain in those days was the furthest part of the Roman Empire that had not heard yet. And Paul said, I want to go there. And I'd like to see you folks in Rome on my way there because he had never been with them personally yet. The first thing I want us to notice this morning is this. The personal way that Paul talks about ministry. I don't know if you saw all this. Verse 15, the grace given to me by God for ministry. Verse 16, my offering. Verse 17, my work for God. Verse 18, what Christ has accomplished through me. Verse 19, I have fulfilled the ministry. Verse 20, my ambition. Folks, listen, Paul felt like something personal had been given to him. See, there, there were lots of things to do in the kingdom of God just like there are today. I'll give you a statement here in a minute that I want us to remember. But there are a lot of things that can be done for the gospel of Christ today, but we're not called to do all of them. And Paul is not called to do all of them. Um, for instance, um, he says in verse 19, from, the, from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel. And then he says, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. 
That, does that shock you a little bit? I mean, think about this. This region had 37 major cities plus hundreds of little small villages. A population of a little over 500,000 people. And there were at most a dozen churches there all combined had about 500 believers, 500 believers and a half a million. I used my little hand computer and it came out to 0.001 of the number of people that, that were being reached. Now, how in the world could Paul say, I'm done here? I've done everything I can. I don't have anything else to do here. Jesus evidently had been preached he had trained the people in these uh, believers, these 500 believers, dozen churches, had trained them to, to give the gospel. So he said, look, I want to talk about Jesus where he's not been named yet, and that's where I'm going to go. So that kind of was an amazing thing to me. Folks, Rome, Rome was so anti-gospel that Paul would um, be executed there eventually, for no other reason than following the Lord Jesus. But then he makes this statement, my work here is done. Now let's take that and let me jump here. Factor number one, in trying to discern the call of God in your life, is this, write this down. Where is the spirit of God moving in my life? Where is the spirit of God moving in my life? How do we determine that? I like what J.D. Greer has said about this. He calls it the Cheerio myth of trying to seek the will of God for your life. And he explains it like this, that a lot of people, and there are people still today, who believe that it's, it's just a sacred privilege for a su few select super Christians that God calls into special ministry. And everybody else is just kind of ordinary and they don't have anything to do, just go to church, pay attention, read your Bible, give your tithe, and everything will be all right. But folks, let me tell you something. That's not the way God's going to do it. You're not going to look down in your Cheerio bowl and, and see it spell out the word pastor or school teacher. I used to eat Cheerios years ago. And I liked them morning and night, the honey oat kind. Eat them morning and night because I really liked it. They said it was good for your heart, remember? But never in all that time did I look down and see the word pastor. All I saw was oh, 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 everywhere. So here is the truth to write down. All of us are called. All of us are called. And the Lord included that in other places like the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, when he says, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of, of all the nations. So here's what we need to say. The question, are you listening? The question is no longer if you're called. The question is, do you know where and how you're called? Because you are going to be. And a lot of Christians are sitting around waiting for God to give them that voice and, and, you know, but we've already got the call of God of what we, what we are to do. Now, listen, if you have accepted Jesus as your personal savior, then you have already accepted a call to do something. There, 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 and, and by the way, there is no way for one person to be responsible for everything in the kingdom of God. Okay, there's no way. When I started pastoring, and, and this is, by the way, something churches have to deal with, just like I had to deal with individually. We as a church can't do everything. There's a lot of good things out there. And, and a lot of people have a, a uh, desire and a good desire. Some here might be, it might be local missions. It might be feeding the hungry. It might be orphans. It might be, um, you name it. And that's their passion. But what we've had to do, and, and, and we've had 29 years now to do it, is that I believe God has kind of honed us 
and trimmed us to where the things that he wants us to do as a church. Now, I want to give you a statement. Are you ready for it? This applies to you individually, me, and to a church. Not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it. Did you get that? Not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it. But write this down. Something does have your name on it. (laughs) And we need to figure out what that is and get after it. You say, Pastor, how do I know what that thing is? Well, I believe you typically find it out like Paul did. He did it through prayer. And let me give you another, uh, another, I believe, a, a truth. One of the best ways to know what you maybe ought to be doing in a local church is just start doing something. Let the Lord speak to your heart about, you know, you all know the, the passion that you have. Some of you, it is for kids. Some of you, it would be for youth, I hope. Some of you, I would hope and pray it would be for music. And, and, and get involved some way to some degree. And then here's what I've learned. God will then fine tune it. You might, for instance, be uh, and say, okay, I want to help in the nursery. And you start in the nursery. And then after a while, you think, wow, I, I kind of like older kids. Or you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty good teacher and I'd like to help teach kids. Let me tell you, that's what happened to me. I look back and I think about the call of God. And when I went out to Colorado, I was teaching and coaching. I wasn't in ministry. And I started going to the church that I joined. And there I started teaching a a men's Sunday school class. And I started going out visiting on Thursday night with the preacher. And before long, it was like, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I'm called to do. God used me getting a little bit involved and fine-tuned it. And I'm saying that I believe he would do the same thing with you. Many, I got about three illustrations here. I don't have time to go over them all, you know, of people in the Bible that that's what happened. They, they had a desire. They started doing something. Then God showed them the bigger plan. Does that make any sense? I was reading a, a story this week, wanted to share it with you. I, I loved it so much. I thought, you know, like we pastors, I got to find a way to get that in there. Um, but it kind of has to go with, 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 you know, God calling on our life. But a true story, gentlemen, and um, he went to the Ukraine on a summer mission trip. And part of that trip, they visited an orphanage. And the orphanage director told him that just a couple of weeks before, someone had brought in four kids, siblings, ages two to eight, little boys and girls, and they were about to be split up and placed in a few orphanages all around because after all, nobody wanted four kids, um, you know, at one time. So while they're talking, a worker brings out these four kids scared to death. They're holding on to each other. They, they believe, well, this is it. You know, they were crying because they thought that we're going to be sent out all over the place or we're in trouble somehow. And the, the, the man said, I felt so strongly in that moment that the Lord was speaking to my heart saying, those are your kids. His wife wasn't with him. She's back over here in the United States, really. He called her up and said, honey, I got some big news. And she was supportive. She was all for that. Now, some of you ladies are probably going to whisper to your husband and say, you ain't going on a mission trip from this church. No way. But he said, you know what? It hit me. I know there's a lot of orphans here in this orphanage, and there's a lot of them in the world, and I can't do anything about all of them, but I can these four. And it was like God said, those are your kids. And folks, if you're listening to the Spirit of God, he's going to say something to you about what you're supposed to be doing. Not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it. But something does to where you say, this is my work for God. This is my work for him through this local church. 
And maybe God's going to tell you to start. You had one gentleman at the end of the first service. I feel like God wants me to start a group, you know, a, a small Bible group. Um, you know, he said, I did it before and I just got out of, out of the habit. Um, someone will help with, I hope will and then these two, we had big services in the first service also. I would pray that some of you would want to help with the youth. Some of you would want to help with the children. Some of you would want to do family care. Some of you would want to do uh, sports and recreation. Some of you would want to do music and worship. You know, I, I, I told them, I can't believe that in a church this size, that there's not people sitting out there that can play an instrument or sing good and could be a part of this or that you have a way with youth you have a, a you know a way of just connecting with them or children and i would like to encourage you to get involved where is the spirit of god moving in your life now here's something even more significantly and understand that wording even more significantly number 2 what is the word of god saying to the church what is the word of God saying to the church? This is where it gets interesting to me. Because what I want you to see here is that even more important to Paul in his call than what the spirit was saying to him was what the word of God that he had written was saying to him. Notice in verse 20, it says, my ambition is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named for as it is written. Those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. Now, how many of you remember how Paul was first called? How many remember the road to Damascus? Maybe I ask it that way. The road to Damascus. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, going there to get Christians, bring them back to Jerusalem in chains, to have them killed, imprisoned, whatever, beaten, he was struck down by a bright light, had a vision that Jesus appeared to him, said, Paul, you can't keep fighting against me like this. Here's what I want you to do. And then I want you to get up and go into that town and then I'll tell you later what to do. He was blinded for three days. But the point is this. If you were to ask me, Lloyd, why are you a pastor? If I had had an experience like that, if I'd have been out one day running in the evening and all of a sudden a bright light just knocks me on my rear end and I'm sitting there and God said to me, be a pastor, Lloyd, be a pastor. If you were to ask me, why are you a pastor? I would go back to that to start, wouldn't you? I'd go back and that's where I would start. But I want you to notice something and you can go back and read it and check it on me if you want to. Nowhere in his explanation of a call to ministry did Paul even mention the road to Damascus. He doesn't even mention it. Why? I believe because the Holy Spirit is trying to show us that the most significant factor in determining the will of God is not what I feel, but what the Word of God says. And you'll never properly discern what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Are you listening to this? Until you know what the Word of God is saying to everybody. To everybody. I mean, I could show you these verses right before the ones we read. Paul says, for as it is written, and he quotes scripture. And then he says, another one quoting scripture, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And in verse 12, he quotes Isaiah, saying the root of Jesse is going to come, and in him the Gentiles will have hope and salvation. It's all about the word of God. The Jewish people divided the Old Testament into three major sections, the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And Paul quotes from all three of those. So I'm getting to something here. You see, when it comes to the will of God, we often function like a, a narcissist, big word they're throwing around today. But all that is, it's, it's all about me. 
You know, it's about my life and even in Christianity, about my reaching my potential and my finding happiness where, you know, there, people are into these personality profiles and what, is, what are my strength finders and whatever. I'm special. I'm unique. I'm a snowflake. You know, all that stuff. What's my purpose? What's my purpose? But folks, before those things are relevant, I've got to understand what God is wanting to do in this world. And what do you want to what do you want my part to be? Now I know and I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. That's why I made that statement that everything that comes from heaven doesn't have your name on it. Because I don't want everybody feeling guilty they gotta do it all like sometimes we do. But I like what Old Testament scholar Christopher Wright said. We often ask, where does God fit into the story of my life? When the real question is, where does my little life fit into the great story of God? And everybody, and I told you this the first sermon, I'm sure. We're not all in the same place. Some of us are older than others. You know, some of us have physical limitations. We can't do what we used to do. That's totally understandable. Some have time restraints that they can't help right now. But what I'm saying is we can all do something. You know, we're, we're all at different ages. We can do something. There are 7,398 unreached people groups making up 3.2 billion people on our planet. And God will, has, and will continue to touch some people's lives to go overseas. You know, I thank God for them. There, there are people that, that they're, they're, people are being saved, folks, by the tens of thousands in these other countries. They are so eager to hear the word of God. And thank God he's sending people over there to those, and, and maybe even a few of you one day, you're going to feel God's called you to do that. But here, listen to what I'm going to say. I do believe God is touching people to go to foreign missions. We're thankful for that. But, and yet I'm going to tell you something. There are kids and there are teenagers and there are adults in Citrus County who have never had a clear presentation of the gospel. They've heard about Jesus as far as his name, God. They see it on church signs and things like that. But there are, it would shock you. Brian, it would probably shock us to know how many teenagers have never had come to youth group and they come for that first time, but no one's ever given them a clear presentation of the gospel. And that is what God is wanting us to do. I mean, think about it in America. They can hear the gospel and the word of God everywhere, but they don't. I mean, just because it's out there doesn't mean they're accessing uh, uh, themselves of it. They're not watching Christian TV. They're not listening like I do all day to Moody. You know, they're not doing that. They're not, they're not sitting in church right now. 90% of Citrus County is not in church today. Think about that. And I'm using 150,000 as a population. They're not in church. But folks, God is calling us. Surely in a church this size, God is moving on some of you to get involved in, in ministry and get engaged there. And you know what? One of the pastors I was reading this week that I just had to praise God, uh, it was a praise for me, it was a, a complaint and a concern for him, but it was like this. He said to his church, why are there so many, so few men that are getting involved? Why are there so few men? He said in his church, it was four to one women that were volunteering. But you know what? I, I sat back and I, I thought about all the ministries and the groups and the things that that people are doing at Gulf to Lake. And I thought about Sunday morning at nine and Sunday morning at 1030. And I'm going to tell you something. I am so proud of you. We have an inordinate number of men sitting with their families in our church. 
And I praise God for that. You know, thank, thank the Lord. But there's things that we can do. Listen, life is short. I'm telling you, I blinked my eyes and I went from graduation to right now. It comes so fast. I spent Friday around noontime with one of our members, one of our faithful members at Seven Rivers. And I'm in there as he's going to be with the Lord. And she's lying on his chest, you know, reminding him of all the times they had together, 60-something years of marriage and all the years and the things. And she went back and I was sitting there beside her and and I, I could hear her talking about how when they first met. And I thought, it's got to feel like a short journey from him picking her up for that date and him dying in a hospital. And he died last night. But he's with the Lord. I want to say something really important to you. In light of the 29th anniversary coming up, starting the 30th year of Gulf to Lake Church, God has given us a unique calling to reach this county. And especially this side. It's clear to me in, in all the things that have gone on that God is calling us. One, one of these Sundays I'm going to share with you, because I've got the record, I kept an accurate record since January 1st, 1995, of all the, the number of people who've been saved, the number, uh, and made a profession of faith, at least here. And let me tell you something. The only, the only explanation for us having what people would say success is that God has been in it and taken care of it. Because folks, we've messed up, but God has been so good. William Carey, many, many years ago, missionary to India, told the English Baptist churches before he left to go to India, I'll quote for you, I'll dangle for you on the end of that rope in India, but you've got a promise to hold securely to the other end back here. Isn't that a great, that's that's a great quote. See, some of us are going to be called to dangle on the end of the rope. And some of you are called to hold that other end tightly. Maybe all you can do is pray and give. That's a lot. So that we can, others can pick up the slack. Number three, let me give you something quickly here. What should we, the people of Gulf to Lake, be doing? What should we, the people of Gulf to Lake Church, what should we be doing? First of all, we should devote ourselves to prayer. Devote ourselves to prayer. Two, make ourselves available to the work of the church. Make ourselves available in some way. Take a step to get involved and listen. Listen to the Lord as he speaks to you about what he wants you to do. Let me close with this. Doing a lot of thinking as I always do, get kind of nostalgic near the end of every year, looking back at what happened. And as you know, I've told you 23 was a tough year. A blessed year, but a tough, tough year in a lot of lot of ways. But Gulf to Lake, are you listening? Don't don't try not don't leave yet. If we as a church do not keep making reaching people who don't know him here in this area, then we might as well close up shop. Really. Because our chapter will be over and God will take his hand from us. And I believe a lot of churches are doing this today. God will take his hand from us and we'll sit back and watch as he moves it over other faithful believers and Christians. But Gulf Lake, I don't want God's hand to leave us. I don't want it to leave us. So we're gonna pray 
Would you bow with me? I want you to honestly ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Would you put a yes on the table right now and say, Lord, if you're leading me in that area, it could be any of those areas I, I talked about, I'll do it. I'll, I'll start and I'll wait for you to even help me and fine tune me or I'll learn that that's, that's not for me and I'll find something else. So would you ask God right now, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Now, you know, in a sermon like this, that's mainly to the church and largely to people that know the Lord as their Savior, I need to say to some of you, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, and that's what we've been talking about, taking the message to the lost. Part of that we do on Sunday morning. If you've never trusted him as your personal savior, don't give rest to your eyes tonight. Because folks, I'm telling you, we are near the coming of the Lord. We don't know when, but it can't be that long. And who in the world knows when we're gonna be called personally So give your heart to Christ. He knows and you know that we've all sinned. We all don't deserve heaven. We deserve hell. But the love of God says, but I'm going to give you heaven if you'll believe my son. Trust him as your personal savior. Would you do that today? If you've never done that, would you give your life to him? And then come and join us as we get involved to make this a dynamic point of light in this county. Father, thank you and we love you and we bless you and give you glory. Amen. Let's sing. So good. Let's stand together. God is so time this part God is so good yes he is so Yes, he is. And thank you, folks. God bless you. Have a great, great, safe afternoon.